Hey everybody, Chris Webster here to talk about one of the latest supporters to the Archaeology Podcast Network, The Motley Fool. Now, I've been investing in the stock market through various applications for a few years now, and everybody who's listening to this can benefit from that sort of investment for the long-term financial planning. And also, I know the hosts of these podcasts can benefit because as archaeologists, like none of us get retirement, <laughs> we all have to kind of fend for ourselves. So investing in the stock market is a good idea, but not everybody can do it. And look, we get it. The market is complicated and confusing, and to many of us, it simply doesn't make sense. In fact, where do you even start? Take all of the guesswork out of it with the Motley Fool Stock Advisor. The Motley Fool has been around for over 25 years and has been spot on in recommending some of the world's most important companies before they hit the big time. I'm talking about Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, Starbucks, all before they exploded in value. With their easy to use and super informative service, Stock Advisor, you could join the ranks before they potentially find the next big thing. After all, their average stock recommendation is up over 400% as of April 10th, 2023. And no need to be intimidated by financial jargon or market complexities. As the name suggests, these guys don't take themselves too seriously. Now, finances, that's a different story. Their friendly and relaxed approach has helped over 700,000 people move closer to financial independence, all while beating the market and having fun. New members can access Stock Advisor for only $89 for their first year, a full $110 off the full list price. Don't sit on the sidelines and think about what could have happened. Visit fool.com slash APN to start your investing journey today. That's $110 discount off of $199 per year list price. Membership will renew annually at the then current list price. So again, check the link in the show notes of this episode. We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Archaeology Show. This is a live recording. Is that what is that? I always say live recording, but those are two words that are not in the same sentence or shouldn't be. Well, I mean, that would imply that there's an audience here. Oh, wait, there is sort of an audience. Yes, I guess there is. Yeah, it's not a studio audience. It's a, yeah. it's a Facebook audience um, or, yeah. and a YouTube audience, which I think is what the things you're getting from your phone are. I know. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a recording <laughs> of the You Call This Archaeology show with uh, myself, Chris Webster, and Richie Cruz. And uh, if you want to watch us live instead of recorded, then check out the. Um, uh, Facebook.com forward slash ArcPodNet or um, Happy Archaeology Fun Time on YouTube. And that's not one word. It's like all separate words. Yes, um, but it is all one word if you're typing in the URL because yes. yeah, because you have a website too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot. I keep forgetting to update it. Yeah. Hello. So anyway, thanks everybody for joining us. Um, I've got this new, uh, uh, we've got a, a slightly different setup here, which is pretty cool actually. Yeah. Um, we, we've, we just decided to take the complication away, yeah. I think, because we've been doing a lot of different things to use these microphones to stream to multi-sources. But then um, I got this GoPro. Richie's always had this fantastic um, yeah. Android phone. Yeah. Go and Yay, LG. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm sending to Facebook via the um, GoPro Hero 8 Black, and Richie's sending to YouTube via yeah. his LG phone. Yeah. And then I've got a nice studio light, which is blinding us, but makes us look good yeah. uh, on the other side of the glass here. Well, we got to suffer. I know. There you go. <laughs> so. Oh, wait. I realized yeah. that we haven't, you know, like God, we haven't been, we haven't had a live stream since before, um, since before the primary or no, not the primary, the caucus here. Not that we're going to talk about that. <laughs> well, I mean, 
we can bring in politics just a little bit because today I saw that Tom Steyer um, backed out of the race, um, which is great because I don't know how much mail I get from that guy. Oh my God, no, it's not Wolf. I mean, I do get a lot of mail. I got a lot of mail from him, but it was the um, constant, constant, constant YouTube videos. <laughs> like I, I haven't. Uh, oops. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't been seeing him on YouTube. I oh, I've seen the commercials. You mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But also, I saw while we were doing the CRM Mark live stream. Yeah. Uh, Pete Buttigieg um, backed out as well. Which is a little Wait, surprising. Really? Yeah, he had some good momentum. I think Biden winning South Carolina just like took the wind out of his sails. Oh. But, but backing out before Super Tuesday, I mean, come on, that that's kind of like the clincher right there. At least stay in for a couple more days. Or or they're doing the honorable thing and backing out, saying I'm I can't possibly win, so I'm not going to cloud the yeah I'm not going to cloud the uh, the race. I don't know. There is one thing I will say though. I thought it was funny that they still that MSNBC would not declare for Bernie Sanders until like almost all the precincts were reporting, <laughs> but they um, projected by Biden as the winner with only one percent reporting. Right, right. And I imagine you know I just want to see like if Ber if Bernie Sanders wins the nomination, I want to see like Chris Matthews burst out into tears because I feel like <laughs> that's like the level of hysteria that he and like so many other like centrist Democrats have. Yeah, I mean, you know, my God. Oh. And and let me tell you something. Yeah. We, we diverge a lot from archaeology on this show. Yeah. But, and, and sometimes when we're talking about, you know, construction in Reno or Richie's video editing software, <laughs> we're really off the wall in archaeology. However, this does have a serious impact on the field of archaeology. Oh, that's um, true. Contract uh, archaeology. Yeah, because um, Donald Trump definitely wants to dismantle, um, you know, any sort of Section 106 um, protections. Yeah, I mean, the National Historic Preservation Act has been on the chopping block for a yes. long time, um, at least to be stripped of all its powers. It yeah. probably wouldn't go away entirely, but um, and and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of environmental things going on. Like for example, you know, I'm trying not to pay attention to the to the headlines because the headlines yeah. are written to be inflammatory, even from left leaning groups. But the blowing up of Native American grave sites to make the wall um, down on the Mexico border. Yeah, um, I, I've seen articles. You know, I saw mm. a flurry of articles for about three or four days last week talking about that. I think the, I don't know what the reality is. Oh, I'm not going to comment on that. That's actually interesting because I have a friend who I worked with in um, on a project in Minnesota, and he was actually doing the preliminary kind of monitoring down there. And he says like it's all wrong. It's all wrong. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he was actually down there watching them do some of this stuff, and he's like, no. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, it's it, it's interesting that you say that because. When you're doing archaeology and you've got construction companies and things like that out there, I mean, sure, Donald Trump might be able to say, I want this thing to happen. However, yeah. um, there are a whole lot of other people in the chain of uh, command for this whole thing, right? True. And when you're out there doing a project, I mean, a lot of people are not in direct communication with the president of the United States. True. And it is an imminent domain uh, national security project. Whether you want to whether you want to see it that way or not, that's how it's being built, right? I know. Um, so it's an imminent domain. I mean- we're working on an imminent domain national security project next week. Oh, I know. Okay, it's just in a different spot. Okay, <laughs> so if there's if there's land that the military or the government wants to take to do something that they think is important, yeah. they're going to do it. It doesn't matter if yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a thousand miles from the border or on the border. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. So the point is, though, they still have to follow 
regulations. And if there's um, I, if there's archaeologists out there, you know, they still have a job to do. If there's construction people out there, they still have a job to do. And people are still humans too. And I like to think that you know there aren't people on that project that are just like looking at a paycheck, going, "Yay, Republicans!" and just mowing through stuff, right? Ha. So <laughs> I'm willing to believe. Uh, if I really thought about it, that it's probably some inflammatory headlines, but it, but they are. I'm just going to tell you right now, if yeah. there are active known sites right there, um, which more than likely there are, but if there are active known sites right there, yeah, and they're going through those sites, it's not the first time that's happened. No, I'm not mm. saying that's a good thing. No, I'm not justifying it. Well, it's interesting because you know if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, almost every freeway goes through a um, basically blasted through a um, Native American shell mound site. Well, yeah, and how many are underwater because of our our because of just like environment? I mean, there there, there, there wasn't a San Francisco Bay three thousand years ago. Um, yeah, well, four thousand, four thousand years ago, whatever it was, yeah. you know. But as the sea levels rose, it's so shallow out there, yeah. that it just covered up a whole bunch of sites, yeah. And I'll tell you what, you know how easy it is to dredge through a site? Pretty easy, <laughs> yeah. because they dredge all the time, yeah. and and because it's underwater and nobody nobody is there to see it or complain yeah. about it. I'm sure they're dredging through archaeology constantly. Well, it's also interesting because I know, you know, I mean, on a similar topic, it's interesting that um, <clears throat> scrap metal prices have hit a point where um, people are are going to these old um, these old World War II um, shipwrecks yeah. and just like um, scrapping the um, old warships. Sure. You know, which is kind of gross when you think about it because like, you know, there are definitely people in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh, yeah. just thinking about it, it's like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, that's like a zombie or a horror movie right there. Right, right. Ugh. Hey, I'll, I'll comment right now. Um, again, this is for the, uh, uh, if you're listening to the recording of this show, yeah. join us live. If you like the Archaeology Podcast Network uh, Facebook page, you'll get notification. And I'm sure if you subscribe to Richie's channel, hit the bell. Yeah. Um, you'll get notified when he goes live as well. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> I got an email and a push notification when you went live. Wait, really? So, yeah, I saw oh, it. Wow. Cool. <laughs> as I was setting up mine, I saw yours coming through. Cool. Um, but I wanted to say uh, we've got Ryan Scott is joined. He joins yeah. us all the time, as well as Chuck Hutchison. Chuck, you're a glutton for punishment because he was on the last recording we just did. Oh. Literally 30 minutes ago, we stopped. I also thought it was interesting because um, I thought the feedback from some of the um, some of the people doing um, participating in the chat for mm-hmm. the scene. Our recording was interesting. Like, you know, like, who was it, Chuck, who mentioned, you know, I'm over this topic? Yeah. <laughs> like, I enjoy that. Like, you know, you can ask for topics live on air and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's an amazing... It's an amazing way to really crowdsource the topics, because especially for something like the CRM Archaeology Podcast, and even this show, yeah. um, I mean, we, we come prepared to talk about stuff because yeah. we want to put out comment, uh, yeah. you know, commentary and, and talk about stuff. But I'm more than happy to talk about what the audience wants to talk about, yeah. right? Um, except the only person I will not accept comments from is Carlton Gover, who has also joined us because um, <laughs> he's, you know, probably drunk anyway, just like when Connor joined us from the Life and Ruins <laughs> podcast. So, you know, uh, Carlton, if you want to comment, feel free, but otherwise, you know, stay out of it. However, um, yeah. I'm just kidding, Carlton. Say whatever <laughs> you want. One thing that my co-founder, Tristan Boyle, and I were talking about, yeah. And Carlton, if you're still on this, this will be news to you. But uh, I want to go forward with this. Is you've seen other like social media accounts where they say, "Hey, this person is taking over the social media account for a week yes. or for a day or something yeah. like that." Well, two things I want to do with the APN uh, because it's uh, unfortunately a lot of people see this as kind of my show. And yes, it was uh. my idea. Yes, I started <laughs> it. Yes, I started it with Tristan. And yes, I do all the editing and stuff. But yeah. I've never wanted this to be like my not my not this is my show. Yeah, like the APN is my show. Uh. Um, like it's my thing to do and yeah. i'm just carlton comments comment you bastard <laughs> anyway 
the APN is, is yes, it's kind of like my passion project, but I want so many other people to be involved with it. Mm. And so I think the Life in Ruins guys would be a great first test case on this, or it would lose us many, many people uh, as followers. But I want them to like so? take over our Instagram feed for a week. Yeah. You know, Give them the credentials to the APN so they can live stream here on the network. Well, um, I know Coffee Bar is doing that for a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to be careful in some cases because you're you're – you're talking to a, a very wide audience that is not necessarily like the Life and Ruins audience True. knows what to expect out of a Life and Ruins podcast. Yeah. But the yeah, APN yeah. audience in general is a little bit more, um, uh, how should I say, uh, it's a little bit bro more broad than that, right? Like there's there's people that are uh, there's people that are of different walks of life, different countries, different nationalities, and honestly, there's concerns about Facebook as well. Like you can get banned from Facebook for you know broadcasting certain things, just like you can for YouTube. Oh yeah. If you if you break the community guidelines, you know you have to be careful about that kind well, of stuff. Well, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite YouTubers. Oh darn, now it's too um over. But um, <clears throat> one of my favorite YouTubers, like he basically called an end to like his show, or at least you know one of his favorites, you know one of his um highest rated shows. Yeah. Where he basically it's like a little talk show he does on Fridays. All right. You all know, right. he's um he's actually like I found him because he re repairs guitar amps, you know, yeah. and I like old tech and stuff. And um that used to be his main thrust of his channel and then he started doing like, you know, like uh, music industry stuff. Okay. And uh, apparently um YouTube does not like his videos anymore because of that. All right then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which well, is that's weird. Yeah, which he thought was really weird too. And I was also surprised. Wow, I was surprised how much he was he doesn't get as many views as some other people I was watching mm -hmm. I watch, but he actually got a surprising amount of money from each video. Right. He got like three or four hundred dollars for each video. Jeez. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And he's only getting like what sometimes twenty, thirty thousand views total. Wow. I wonder if he gets a higher percentage with more subscribers or something. I don't know how that yeah. works. Well, um, yeah. he also pointed out that all his trouble started when he hit the 100K mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carlton commented, by the way, He uh, little backstory. Yeah. So we uh, Tristan Boyle, at, his, at our five-year anniversary a few months ago, started a blog on the APN, uh, on the APN website. So arcpodnet.com. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's forward slash blog, if he did it right. Anyway, uh, so he asked for... He asked, oh my God, here it goes. David and Connor just joined simultaneously. <laughs> so they're, they're probably in the same bedroom together watching this on a laptop, uh, sitting on a pillow in between them. Yeah. Anyway, um, so they, uh, uh, <laughs> so they, uh, anyway, Tristan asked uh, if other people would want to do guest blog posts. Yeah. Uh, on the oh, APM yeah. blog, you know, for the other hosts, right? Yeah, I've seen that on Slack. Yeah. So uh, actually, the Life and Ruins guys, I think they were the first ones to submit one. They just submitted it last night. I'm not even sure Tristan's seen it yet. Yeah. And uh, and now Carlton's like, uh, first you want blog posts, now you want us to run your social media campaign. <laughs> there better <laughs> be a yacht trip involved. Carlton, I promise we'll double your salary. Oh, I was going to say, you know, yeah. you have a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I have a boat. I don't have a yacht. <laughs> I mean, if you make it to San Francisco or Lake Tahoe this, this summer, there's 100% a boat trip involved. <laughs> See? So there you go. Um, oh, yes. wait. Are you ready to talk about that um, that, that um, podcast you were thinking of with the boat? Uh, not until we do it. Ah. I don't want to commit to something that I'm that I'm possibly not going to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. But I will tell you. I will tell you that uh, the way business expenses work, you have to use stuff for your yeah. business expenses. Although I'm probably going to be selling the boat this summer because I've got kind of a line on how to do that. Ooh. Um, because we want to get more mobile, and the boat's not very conducive to that. Yeah. That boat anyway. Yeah. And uh, 
But anyway, other podcasts and other YouTube like things like as you're watching if you're watching this on the live stream it's March 1st if you're if you're listening to this on the you call us archaeology show recording again March 1st yeah and it was uh um we just dropped my wife and I started we're starting we're, we're using an old YouTube channel that I've had that has very little things on yeah. it and I've cleaned it up a bit and you renamed it and we renamed it because I, I've watched a lot of videos on well, two things. One, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on people who are out doing fun, cool things, and they inspire me to do the same thing, right? That's, yeah. what, that's what I think those videos are for. Yeah. But I also, I also get a little frustrated because they never start their channels until they're well into the process. Ah. Right, uh, as some of them started a channel like like they wanted to buy a boat and they want to move their family on it. So you might yeah. see one or two videos before that. But I want to know. What were you doing before that? What was your lives like before that? You know, what were you doing? And huh. my wife and I don't have any kids. We look back on our history and we've done a lot of cool things. We lived on the road, not in an RV like these fancy people do. We lived yeah. on the road shovel bug for two years. Yeah. You know, in our SUV, just yeah. like with no house and all our <laughs> stuff in storage. I mean, that's what these guys do, yeah. except we did it in the context of CRM, like so many shovel bums that are watching this right now well, or listening to it have done, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people do this without a base of operations. They just like, they're just like out there doing it. Uh -huh. And and I think more of us should tell that story. So what I want to do, I eventually want to be living full time either in an RV um, or a boat. Ooh. We might move to an RV first because it's a little bit easier on the psychology to start with a boat, an RV rather than a boat. Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. But, but along the way, this comes back to the yeah. sort of historical adventure related podcasts. Yeah. Along the way, we're going to be filming a lot of stuff and a lot of things that we're doing and then dropping those on our YouTube channel every Sunday. Interesting. So. Will that qualify as van life if you're in a big RV? No, I don't think so. Van <laughs> life is very particular. Oh, is it? It is. I mean, RV life is very different from van life because you don't see, Oh. to be honest, most of the people in RVs you see, like if we are hanging out in RV communities, we're going to yeah. be around a lot of 60 to 80 year old people, <laughs> right? Now, I think that's from the YouTube videos I'm watching, I think yeah. there's, there is a smaller community of people that have decided to make this transition in their lives, and they are younger, you know, 30s and 40s, um, yeah. maybe not 20s. 20s is more van life. I mean, it's just yeah. way less space, um, and you're okay with it when you're that age. I'm okay with that little space. It's really just, you know, if we had like a van, mm -hmm. like a conversion van or something, and we were going out, um, yeah, just for weeks or or even months at a time, but we still had like a home base. Yeah. I would be okay with that. But when you're living in it, <laughs> I love my wife. <laughs> but when you're living in it, sometimes you just need a little more expansion, right? Yeah. I'm not talking about more things. No. I'm talking about more space. Yeah. I told somebody the other day, if I've got three pairs of jeans, about ten of these shirts, and a laptop, that's really all I care about. That's really all I need, to be honest. I don't care about having anything else. Yeah. All my books are digital. All my music is digital. All my TV is digital. True. I don't want any other clothes. I don't want anything else. We need stuff to make food with, but you got yeah. things like Instant Pot and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. I just, like, what more do you need, you know? I just want to I want to travel around with very few things. So going back to this channel, yeah. the whole point of this is, and when my wife gets back, she had to take kind of a, kind of a last-minute trip to North Carolina, um, but... So she's there now, but business? No, her sister. Um, oh, sister's right. birthday actually. Um, oh, actually, uh, her sister's trip to Milan for her birthday got canceled because she's pregnant and they have viruses over there. Oh. Um, so they all went out to oh, South good. Carolina. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. she went out because her sister's birthday is the 29th. 
So ah. it was her eighth birthday. <laughs> ah. Oh, we can talk about my trip to San Francisco because it was also something similar. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so when she gets back, we're actually going to map out, because um, we have a vague idea of this because we've done it before, but we haven't yeah. done it in a while. But we're going to see what is our current debt and mm. what is our current monthly expenses if we're making like minimum payments, right? Just yeah. just, to, just to get a baseline. <laughs> so what is a, what is a baseline? We have to make this much money to live every month right now. Yeah. And what I want to do is I want to say, okay, so what I want is we have to make this much money to live every month, right? Yeah. And, and to do that, we have to pay down the debt. Yeah. And I'm in a position right now uh, with this current job I have and some other stuff I'm doing. Yeah. This is why I took this project for ne- in the next two weeks. You know, yeah. I don't have time to do this archaeology project, but it's a good payday for two weeks worth of work. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, why not do this? Because I'm going to take all of that, drop it on this loan I had for the last project I did for these guys, yeah. and pay that thing off, right? Yeah. So if I can, because if you look at it, you know, right now, if I just had to pull a number out of my, uh, you know, out of my ass, we were probably, we probably need about three to four thousand dollars a month to pay our bills yeah you know when you factor yeah. in food and stuff like that um and that's two of us and that's me yeah. running a business as well i've got yeah. some business debt i gotta worry about but i want to get that down to like 1500 yeah. you know 1500 to 2000 well, then the money you need to make every month becomes way less oh i know well it's like when i was working at the bookstore i definitely learned to live in a lot less and then last year i was out monitoring and i learned to live a lot more <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen to the CRM Archaeology podcast because we talked about that in the first segment. <laughs> is uh, is field techs field techs living that cycle of, of you know, poverty and riches, right? Yeah. I mean, we've all done it. Yeah. You know, we've all been on those projects where it's like, man, I can upgrade all my equipment, buy whatever I want right now. I know. And I'm and I'm okay with that from a from an upgrade and almost from a things standpoint. Like if you're going to buy yeah. a new computer, that's the kind of thing you use I all am. the time. Yeah. If you're buying a new car or repairing your car, yeah. you know, those are the kinds of things you do, but it's the people that, that buy stuff that's well beyond their means to support when that lucrative project <clears throat> goes away. Yeah. It's the people that go and say, Oh, well shoot, I've got a winter project or <clears throat> I'm working for this company in the lab over the winter. I may as well get an apartment. What comes along with an apartment? A whole bunch of furniture. Oh my God. I'm not going to say the company, but it was years and years ago, you know, this um this person asked you know was saying that they were thinking about buying a house because they've been saving yeah and they're like you know are you sure I'm gonna have like you know there's gonna be lab work over the winter <laughs> and they said oh hell yeah there's gonna be lots of lab work over the winter yeah and then as soon as she signs like a week later it's like oh sorry there's not enough work yeah it's like you know my god that's like the thing like why can companies just be more honest I know I know I feel like they'd get a lot more respect if they were more honest yeah. That All right, is, oh. let's let's take a break real quick for the recorded audience yeah. um, for the archaeology show, and we'll be back to continue this discussion. Ooh. And for the live audience, and if you want to join us, oh. facebook.com forward slash arcpodnet, and also YouTube. At Happy Archaeology Fun Time. There you go. Back in a second. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high-quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to record high quality audio with no stress on the guest. Just send them a link to click on and that's it. Zencaster does the rest. They even do automatic transcriptions. Check out the link in the show notes for 30% off your first three months or go to Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com and use the code T-A-S. Hey podcast fans, I've got to talk to you about drinking water. As an archaeologist, I've been on surveys where we had to drink three to five liters of water every day. That's 1.3 gallons, just to basically not die. Sometimes that water just doesn't hydrate you as quickly as you're using it. 
That's why we've partnered with Liquid IV. The small packets make it easy to take one with you to work, to work out, or on any adventure. I like the strawberry lemonade and lemon lime ones the best. Just put one stick of Liquid IV into 16 ounces of water and get hydrated two times faster than with just water alone. And now with our partnership, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code TAS at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration Today using promo code TAS at liquidiv.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. And we are back for the archaeology show. I don't know what episode number this is because we're recording it live. <laughs> I don't know when this is going out. Um, but thanks for joining us. If you're on the live stream, thanks for joining us. Send in your comments uh, over on Facebook, over on YouTube, and uh, we'll keep this show going. So you mentioned in the last segment uh, something about San Francisco. You, you were there this weekend? Um, last weekend. Last weekend? Yeah. Um, my sister suddenly, unexpectedly, was going to show up in the Bay Area. And, you know... It's like we're we're both well. I mean, I'm not so busy. I mean, I'm editing, but like you know, when I'm doing that, I'm like face mm-hmm. down. But you know, we so we don't talk a lot. So one of the first things I did was like, um, why are you coming? Because I wanted to make sure that I didn't have to show up with like a funeral suit or anything. Like right, maybe right. one of my aunts or something or uncles had died. Because oh, <laughs> you know, like I'm not that much in contact mm-hmm. with you know, not that I don't love them, but you know, it's like life. Just don't live there. Yeah, but yeah. It turns out one of my nephews, um, he, um, God, he got a scholarship to a, um, or wait, yeah, he got a scholarship to a um, university in New Zealand, and he's about to wrap up like his last year, so he's oh, like nice. flying through San Francisco, and you know, he bought a ticket for his mom to like, you know, also join him. That's cool. Yeah. So, and one of the things I will say is that you know, if you if you just pay attention to YouTube or Facebook comments or like comments on like the New York Times, mm-hmm. San Francisco is like supposed to be hell. Like the worst place on earth. Right. And California is the worst place on earth. I went there. It was just the same as when I was growing up or when I left. It was just like completely normal, except for the fact that there's like parking spaces now. That's like the one thing I will admit. Because there's uh, more parking now? No. It's oh. um, because people are using Uber to get around. They just park their car in a central spot and either use Uber yeah. or there's so many bicycle electric bicycles right. and so many scooters. And, like, I don't know where this hysteria over, like, lime trash and stuff came up, but it's just, like, you know, people just, like, you know, park their bikes just like they would park, like, a bike, you know, that they owned. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they just, there's, like, um, I'm not sure if you've seen them, but um, certain lime bikes, or is it Lyft? Yes, Lyft bikes. They come with an integrated lock, and you just lock them to something. That way someone can't, like, you know, steal it. That way you can stay signed into that bike, and you can, like, leave. Mm, nice. And then you just return it to the central docking station at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and so like, you know, this whole idea of lime trash and, you know, all these bikes everywhere. It's just like, I feel like it's hysteria, just like the way San Francisco is supposed to be hell is like hysteria. It was like just as nice and charming as normal. Yeah. I mean, we've got to do all all kinds of things we can. And uh, this leads me, it just made me think about climate change and stuff like that. You know, and you look in the, uh, you look in the archaeological record and, and 
Yes, climate change has happened throughout time. Yeah. Um, but oh, definitely. But it's it's an undeniable fact that it's increased in the last century. Yes. Um, and you can point to the reasons why. I mean, it's just science, right? The, yeah. the data is there to support that. And, and there have been times in the past, too, where a significant event has increased the speed and rate of climate change, but it's usually something massively destructive, like a meteor strike or, yeah. you know, lots of volcanoes spewing stuff into the air. Yeah. Um, you know, will increase uh, global warming and climate change. And things like this just makes you think about it because the um yeah uh the uh god i totally got derailed by carlton Uh-oh. as usual <laughs> um he's saying that the uh a life in ruins people are not on the uh apnfp banner it's about time you noticed that <laughs> it's been almost a year oh. because i'm the one that does it i do everything for this network and i just haven't gotten around to getting your guys's pictures and adding them to the banner i need to do that send me your pictures in slack black and white and square if you can anyway um oh so yours is on there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, looking at like line bikes and lift bikes or yeah. whatever those things are and, and e-bikes in general, you know, there are people that complain about stuff like that. But I really don't understand it because See, you're right. Here. You're right. If you if you craft a city like like cities in, you know, Denmark and Holland and, yeah. and even Germany, places like that, if you craft a city around biking and making that, um, you know, making that culture, yeah. It, re- it really will lead to fewer cars on the road. Yeah. You know, which is a great thing. Like, I was shocked. Like, yeah. Completely shocked. Like, I was able to find parking every place I went easily and, well, like, not and have that's to a pay. Big, that's a big statement for the Bay Area. Yeah, especially San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was shocked. And, like, at spaces where you didn't need um, to pay. There's, like, regular street parking. Those are normally, like, gold, but or at least they were before I left. Yeah, yeah. And now it's just, like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I so. was totally shocked. Yeah, it's it is crazy. It is crazy, um, and it it's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to know. Yeah, because yeah, I've driven up through through that area quite a few times, and man, um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Oh, it's also interesting at the um, SCA venue in Riverside. The la- God, I forgot the last time I passed through there. Oh God, like it was like at least two years ago, maybe mm-hmm. or whatever. They also had the scooters and the bikes everywhere there. So you know that's going to be a fun way to get around town. Nice. Yeah, and they're all nice. right next to the convention center. Like, there's actually like a docking station, I think, for um, some bike service right next to the convention venue. Well, and I'll probably be bringing my bike too. Oh, um, really? Yeah, because my wife and I are going down for the. This is the Society of California Archaeology Conference that starts on the 12th, I think, of March. Yeah, basically two Thursdays from now. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but we're we're going as you are. We're rolling yeah. straight from that into another project for 10 days. Yeah, and and we're going to be in a situation where I'd rather just ride my bike. So, oh. you know, like around town and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but speaking of where we're going to be, um, we had already talked about this. Well, we're going to be in Ridgecrest, California. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of cool things around there. Yes. I already put on my video list of videos I want to make. Yeah. Um, Randsburg, which oh, is the, the place we couldn't think about the other day when we were talking yeah. about it. Um, the old, like, it's, I mean, I want to call it a ghost town. It's an old mining town, but there's actually people that live there. So yeah. there's that. Like, were you, was it you and me who were um, on a survey team down there or was it me and someone else? No, I was with you um, <clears throat> because I was telling somebody else just about this. Because do you remember um, Johannesburg is the little yeah. town that's right there? Yeah, it's not, that's the one on the main freeway. On the main, on 395, yeah. yeah. I found $20 bills right by that <laughs> store that says junk on the wall. Oh, yeah. Because I was thinking about that time that, that, you know, we were like walking around there and some landowner came to us and said, oh, yeah, we've been watching you guys for like a couple of days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't doubt that. Um, but then also Trona. 
Oh. I want to go back out to Trona. Film I've out never there. been to Trona, actually. You never went out? Oh, no. man. Trona's great. Interesting. I wouldn't mind yeah. going there. Yeah, although, it's about 40 minutes from, from town. but Although I hear it gives off the, um, maybe I shouldn't say it's that loud, but it gives you the, um, I've heard that it gives off the Hills Have Eyes vibe. It's a little <clears> creepy. <throat> we shot some PCS videos out there. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's a little creepy. I won't I won't deny it. Um, and it was the... Uh, it was in Star Trek, the Undiscovered Country. I think. I think it's Star Trek Five. Oh, um, I, I don't know if that's the right one, but it's the one with Spock's brother. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and they go to the center of the universe, and when they make it through this like outer shell thing, and they get to this planet, and they're like cruising across the planet in a shuttlecraft, they land at Trona. Ah, yeah. Oh wait, I think God is that the Undiscovered Country? Because I know I think that's the sixth one. Oh, you know what? The Undiscovered... Well, we're really geeking out now. I know. The Undiscovered Country, I think that might be the one with the Klingons, um, where they try to destroy Starfleet, as usual. Yeah. Anyway, back to archaeology. Trona mm-hmm. is not really archaeology. It's uh, I, I would like to see the... The Trona Pinnacles is what this is called. Look it oh, up. Um, those things. Yeah, but they're like... they're like uh, It used to be underwater, uh, as yeah. a lot of things over there did. Yeah. And these were like mud jets that came up, and they're yeah. like mud stalagmites. Yeah. Um, but they're... 20, 40, 60 feet tall in some cases. Yeah. And the reason why it's so sandy over there is because it's all, all most of the area used to be um, like a bunch of uh, ancient lakes. Yeah. So it was ancient lakes, but with um, like a hot spring underneath it. And it would cause this mud to bubble up and then and then harden and solidify as it went up Interesting. under the water. Kind of like, um, like Mono Lake? Kind of, but a different mineral, a mineral that just like hardened like concrete. That's why the Toronto Pinnacles are still there. Ooh. Yeah. It's super cool. Which makes me think, I mean, they've been there for, um, you know, millennia, right? Yeah. And I don't remember when we went out to see that because there are a couple of little reader boards out there. It's not like yeah. a park or anything. I don't even know who owns it, but probably just BLM land. But um, yeah. I would imagine there's some spiritual and religious uh, Native American significance there. It's either that or just gave them the willies and they never went there. But because um, it is a pretty mm-hmm. creepy place and there's no vegetation, there's no, there were probably no animals nearby, there's no yeah. current sources of water near it. Like you would have to go there. Yeah. And, like go there for a specific reason, um, and and I don't remember seeing any um, uh, petroglyphs or pictographs or anything like that uh, at the pinnacles either. So was well, it the right side or sort of the rocks? Oh, it's like <clears> a <throat> yeah, it's hard, but it's almost like a like a line, like you could just carve into it. Uh, yeah. So well, because I noticed that um, if you like, you know, if you get super familiar with like rock art sites, they're always like on the same sort of volcanic rock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons for that is. That 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 basalt um, will like cleave at a certain way, and, mm. it, and it forms these walls. So it, they were in areas where you could like walk up to it, mm. which was which was really easy. You see a lot of rock art like that here in the uh, here in the Great Basin, probably because of its like I said, it's it's ease of access to be honest, um, and it looks good. You know, it's mm. like if you're going to create something of religious or spiritual significance, you want people to see it. True. You know, at, at least locally and putting it up basically on a wall. It's really Facebook. That's what it is. Yeah. Just writing on their wall. So, although it is interesting, like I know that that area, like the whole 395 corridor, there's like yeah. lots of rock art and lots of people with sawzalls. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Like I remember, God, it was years ago. I was going to go help update a site and we went to look for it and um it was gone <laughs> like someone had just taken a sawzall and just disappeared yep yep which is always fun so anyway uh what else do we have i, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things i want to do when we get down on that project and yeah um 
you know, going back to uh, the YouTube channel, I'm not going to like link to it here. That's not the right venue for it. Maybe I will later. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, I mean, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I'll be posting about it, so you'll see it there. But yeah, the yeah. So I mean, I've just got. I, I wrote out, of course, a Trello board Ooh. to manage the videos that I want to shoot and yeah. the ones I already have that I haven't edited yet, and. I've got on the list, again, Randsburg um, and Trona, but then also some other stuff that we're going to be doing archaeologically related on that project. And then the day after we get back from that project, we're going to Cancun. Wow. And I've never been to Cancun. Really? Yeah. And there's a, I've never been to Mexico aside from walking across the border in like, you know, El Centro yeah. <laughs> to go to dinner. Um, so I guess I've been to Mexico, but is it really Mexico? I mean, True. I guess it's Mexico, but... Um, and Cancun's not really Mexico either, for that matter. Uh, I mean, it's, we're staying in a resort, for Christ's sake. You know, it's going to be more Although, tourists. aren't there, like, a lot of sites near there? Yes. Well, that's <clears> the thing. So, we're we're closer down. The resort we're staying at is down, um, I guess, south of Cancun is Playa del Carmen. Yeah. And I think I'm saying that right. And we're, if you look at a, if you look at a map, we're, like, three-quarters of the way down the coast towards Playa del Carmen, so closer to there. Yeah. Which is super cool because Cancun is a little more touristy, and Playa del Carmen, while still touristy, yeah. is also a little more local. Yeah. And I've just done some reading, and there's like some farmer's markets and some just some really cool stuff down there yeah. just to get a little more local flair and a little more out of the touristy scene. But then you get up towards Cancun, and there's a lot of cool museums up there and a lot of cool sites up there. So we plan on not only shooting a lot of video, but <laughs> uh, uh, but also I'm hoping to do some podcast recording as well and talk to some of the museum curators and really? uh, people like that. Have yeah, you I guess contacted good... anyone? I have. Haven't had any responses back. I don't know if that's because I don't speak Spanish, but um, I'm still Translate? working on it. Well, it's it's not like they're responding and I can't read it. I just don't know if they're can reading mine or care. That's what I so, mean. Yeah. Like translate before well, you send? Oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I'm I'm wary of doing that because I it's not perfect. Oh, I know. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. It's also really difficult. Like I've looked at uh, probably four or five different museums down in the Cancun area. Yeah. And finding something that's not just like info at the museum, you know, yeah. as the email address. <laughs> is really hard, you know, finding people's actual names. So I went over to LinkedIn yeah, and I was searching like the oh. museum names on LinkedIn to see if it showed up as somebody's like job title. Yeah. And I found a couple and I sent them messages through LinkedIn, but I haven't had any responses back. So um, I'm trying everything I can. I might just have to walk in the front door with my recording equipment and say, hey, <laughs> can I talk to the curator? Wow. You know? So... I have no problem doing that. They'll either say yes or no. <laughs> if anybody's listening to this or knows anyone that yeah. works and lives down in the Cancun area as an archaeologist, uh. I would love to talk to them. Ooh, or you someone know? who's done work down there who might have like contacts still. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. if you know somebody um, because you worked in that area um, or you went to school with them or something like that, then uh, seriously, let me know because I'd love to get some great material for the APN audience. Uh. Yeah, especially for this show because that's probably where it would go. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know. To um, continue on with this topic, I also have like, I mean, I don't have a Trello board. I actually just have a giant spreadsheet. Yeah. The thing is, is that I've been, you know, trying to do some preliminary research and all the stuff I want to, places I want to visit. Because I realized that, you know, for my fourth week, you know, because obviously I've got like scheduled out for like through December for like two weeks a month, but I want to increase to four weeks a month at some point, hopefully. We'll see mm -hmm. if that happens. But <clears throat> I've been trying to do like, you know, there's certain places I want to visit, like Sand Mountain. You know, out, yeah. out um outside of Fallon and stuff like that. And you try to look up, try to do some preliminary research on these sites. 
and nothing. It's just like, you know, it's just like a less than a paragraph worth of stuff. <laughs> it's just like, man, I could like, you know, that's one of the reasons why and I want to do like the series I want to do, which is namely going to these touristy sites and kind of bring an archaeologist eye to it. Yeah. You know, just because um, there isn't like a lot of info on any of these places. Mm-hmm. Like the only well, thing I learned about Randsburg is that it was founded in 1895. There were two fires and they pulled $60 million worth of gold out of there, but they don't say when, like right. when they um, took the measure, like, you know, I assume it was 1930s money. Well, and, and along those lines, yeah. uh, I've noticed that a lot of the, uh, you know, pamphlets or reading material or display boards or whatever. Yeah. Well, probably written by, if not archaeologists, people in like a museum setting, you know, yeah. like they've they got a museum studies thing or maybe they work for the BLM. You know, there are probably some archaeological, um, I guess, influence in, in writing it. But they do seem like they're written for yeah. a little bit too wide of an audience, which means you don't get a lot of information. Right. It's just like straight up information. So you're right. Reading these things and then discussing them on the on the show or on a recording. Yeah. Uh, from an archaeological context, yeah, you know, I think would be real interesting. Plus, there's also stuff that we can spot that you know, or talk about, you know, sure, that like people wouldn't necessarily notice. Like well, a, and yeah, because they, you know, a lot of these places, they've got to point out the sexy stuff. You yeah. know, they got to point out the head frames and point out the structures and stuff like that. Yeah. But you know, walking around and point out, well, yeah, but look at all these, uh, you know, milk cans. You know, <laughs> they're not pointing that out. No. You know, look at this, look at this pile of garbage over here. That's actually really interesting. Yeah. You know? Or like a friend of ours, like, you know, who was in Tonopah, apparently at some point, and found like the world's first um, guided um, guided bomb. Nice. You know, just sitting like in the middle, like someplace in town. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wow, that'd be super cool to talk about in video. I know. I know. Oh, that I saw that. That was at the museum. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's stuff like that, that, uh, you know, we have that unique perspective. Yeah, um, I'll never forget when I learned... Uh, somebody told me this because we found, God, was it near Tonopah? It might have been, but I was on a project and we were finding mining stuff and it was this old, old mining claim. There wasn't a whole lot of it left. And, uh, but it was a, you know, relatively substantial op- operation in the day. Yeah. And in one of the trash piles, we were finding like, among other things, like gear. I'll never forget. This one sticks out of my head, but Ghirardelli chocolate tins. And, um, yeah. and again, I don't know what the uh, the source is for this information. Yeah. But what I was told was when you start finding stuff like Ghirardelli chocolate tins, because that wasn't something your average miner had a, had out at oh, the um, at the mine, it either meant that the town near them was becoming prosperous and yeah. stuff like that was becoming accessible. And usually at the same time, they were becoming prosperous. Like the mine was producing yeah. a large amount of gold. The miners are getting paid more money. Everybody's getting paid more money. <laughs> so they have fancier things out there. You'll yeah. see that in the pottery the, or the ceramics, I should say. Ooh. And uh, and also in the tins and the kind of food that they were eating. Yeah. You know, the luxury items start to come in when the success starts to come in. And there's a direct uh. correlation with that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. It's, oh. Not like, it's not like these days where you can see a, a single wide, you know, crappy trailer full of mold and falling apart and yet they've got an 85 inch tv and a sound system inside <laughs> a oh, dish on the roof oh <laughs> my god like you know when i was um spent that month installing cable um you know i mean there's like a certain part of reno called sun valley and like you know i learned that all the rumors they said about sun valley were very true yeah like i went to a house and the place had um was like a double wide and there were holes in the floor 
and yet they had like a special edition Sony PS4 mm-hmm. and a giant 60 inch flat screen and they were paying to have this cable installed in this house that literally looked like it literally looked like some of the sites like some of the uh, abandoned buildings we've like documented yeah and the place was so gross and so disgusting that instead of like hanging out on like the furniture that was piled high with like clothes inside they had all these cars in the front yard and that was that was their living room they were just like sitting in these cars just like like you know just oh playing on the god. internet with their phone and stuff oh my god it was like wow I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something. So. I mean, now, of course, all those people in Sun Valley are going to be super angry at me, but whatever. Well, that's right. <laughs> Probably don't have a lot of listeners from Sun Valley. Uh, you yeah. never know. All right. Well, let's take a while. one more break for the recorded um, archaeology show. Again, if you want to join us live and you're listening to this recording, facebook.com forward slash arcpodnet, A-R-C-H-P-O-D-N-E-T, yeah. but also on YouTube. At Happy Archaeology Fun Time. Back in a second. <laughs> You may have heard my pitch for membership. It's a great idea and really helps out. However, you can also support us by picking up a fun t-shirt, sticker, or something from a large selection of items from our Tee Public store. Head over to arcpodnet.com slash shop for a link. That's arcpodnet.com slash shop to pick up some fun swag and support the show. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back, and this week we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Welcome back to the Archaeology Show. This is the recording, obviously, but of a live show that we do, as I mentioned at the end of the last segment. So, um, again, Facebook or YouTube links will be in the show notes. All right. What's next? Oh, you know, what was, I don't know if you actually listen to the podcast, but I remember sending you a link to a podcast where these firefighters were using um, e-bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For like their, their um, I guess, fire surveys, you'd call them. Yeah. Where they're using 360 degree cameras and then, um, God, was it thermal cameras mm-hmm. and then drones to like, you know, basically get full coverage, which nice. was super interesting. It's like, wow, how much faster would surveys be if we could just, um, especially those roadside ones, if we could just, I mean, you know, I realize it's almost the same as using an ATV for some <laughs> archaeologists, but I feel like a bicycle has less impact. I might be wrong. You're right, but, uh, but less of, um, well, I guess it would be okay for a survey, though. It's like most of them have like a 40-mile range, which should be enough yeah. for a day. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're actually pedaling as opposed to just like, you know, hitting the mo- hitting the throttle. Right, right. Well, and a lot of these, I mean, they're they're fat bike <clears throat> tires and stuff like that, yeah. so they can get over some terrain. Yeah. It'd be an interesting way to get out to places. Oh, yeah. my God. You know what's interesting? Um, I was watching a YouTube channel, and the thing is... Mm-hmm. The, this um channel like specializes in um RC planes yeah. and drones. Yeah. And they made their own like like they made their own personal flight vehicle in the form of like a quadcopter drone. And they're flying around and thinking, wow, would you try something like that? I mean, maybe not the first version of it. <laughs> Unless I built it and I knew I knew a lot about it, you know. Yeah. But uh yeah, that would ima- be crazy. Because like imagine, you know, like a lot of people, like, you know, the, one of my undergrad professors actually learned how to um, got his pilot's license so he could like you know do you know photogrammetry and do aerial yeah. survey but imagine if you could just like roll up in with a like with like a one person size like human pout like <laughs> like I, I don't know you know what you'd call it like personal flight vehicle in the back yeah. of your in the back of your pickup truck and could just like fly it around i mean if you're talking about that why not just send a drone out what do you need a person on there for 
Oh, that's true too. You know, but uh, that that reminds me though, uh, yeah. I did see a YouTube commercial this morning. Yeah. Uh, for you know, I've got a light. It's not down here now, but the Loom cubes. Yeah. Um, they have they the new two point yeah, well, they showed them in this nice little adapter that hooks right onto the arms of a DJI Mavic oh. um, drone, and they had one on either side, and they're such bright lights yeah. um, that they were showing like nighttime surveys, like people going out and doing uh, nighttime surveys, like power lines and stuff like that. I don't know why you do this at night, but anyway, they were showing that yeah. and showing other things happening at night, but what I was thinking about was like uh, historic mine surveys. Ooh. Like getting inside the mine and being able to illuminate nice and easy. Because one of the problems of flying inside a mine is um, obviously the, well, there's two problems. One, if there's a lot of gases in the mine, yeah. you're probably going to ignite it with the electric motors on the drones. Oh, so that was my first that. thought. Yeah. But if there aren't, if maybe it's well ventilated, it's just abandoned. Um, getting down in there with a bigger drone is pretty hard because a lot of times there's cave-in, there's you know, yeah. you know, you know wood all over the place. Ah. Um, so you got to be really careful. But being able to kind of light your way and at least map part of it out. Of course, if you do plan on doing this, uh, it would be easier to do it with an addit or, or you know something that was yeah, uh, horizontal. Yeah, and and so but when you're going in the drone, if you go around a corner or yeah. you go up or down a shaft or uh, you know some sort of um, yeah. like vent shaft or something, you're going to lose the signal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know it's interesting. I don't know um, Adam Savage from um, you know from MythBusters. Yeah. Now he's got his YouTube channel. Adam Savage is tested. He um, he was got loaned by one of those Boston Dynamics like um, dogs. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he made that rickshaw. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking, man, you could totally send that like out in a survey or like down a mine shaft. Yeah. Because the other thing I was thinking about flying a drone in a mine shaft is that sometimes that um, sometimes the gases might alter the um, air density and make the flight characteristics kind of wonky. Yeah, I suppose they could a little bit. Yeah, but I think those things are good enough to adjust for it. But the other thing you lose is the GPS stabilization. So you need like localized GPS repeaters inside of there. True. Although, yeah. God, there are more and more drones coming in with um with um, integrating that. I mean, I know Skydio was like the first one. It's probably like the best one. But mm-hmm. some of these some of these companies are developing their own kind of like obstacle avoidance technology. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like um the power guys at the Power Egg. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, and the one that came out at CES, the one that yeah. looks, you know, oh, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, the one that can also be a camcorder or you know right. or a gimbal. Right. I really want that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely pretty cool. So. Of course, I have to get a new computer first. <laughs> You're in a constant state of needing a new computer. I know. You always want to upgrade. Well, because, you know, the software just keeps getting better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like we were talking about the other day, you know, um, the software I use is optimized for, like, the high-end computers. And, right. like, you know, anything less, it, like, sometimes it won't even run. Or, mm-hmm. it'll, alternatively, it'll crash every five minutes like it did on me last night. Yeah, yeah. Even though I still love the software more than, um, way more than Premiere Pro. Yes, Hey, uh, while I'm thinking about it, um, it's not going to be this month, of course, but possibly possibly in the May time frame, because I think April's kind of booked up right now, but in the May time frame, uh, definitely over the summer, I don't, although I don't know when yet, yeah. my wife and I are going to be doing a lot more road trips. Ooh. And one of the things that... I'm starting to put some stuff on the calendar so yeah. we can have like these these spots where we need to be in a place, you know, and in between, you're just kind of like wherever you're at. Yeah. And uh, one of them, for the first time, uh, I've I've never really been able to go just because, I don't know, circumstances, but yeah. uh, the Pecos Conference. I've never been to the Pecos Wait, Conference. Is that the one where you go camping? Well, I think you can camp. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. So. Or is that the one that's like in the tents? Like, yes, you know. it's yeah. both. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, so they they put up these big tents for the for yeah. the um 
you know, for the lectures and the the presentations. They've got poster sessions. I mean, it's a full conference. Yeah. Um, I've just never been, and it's in the beginning of August this year. But what I wanted to say is, you know, with us going around, I I do want to do some more recording for the APN on site, different places. So if you've got a project or an excavation or not even excavation, if you're just doing a long-term CRM project or something like that, I'll be mentioning this throughout. But if you guys are, I, I would love to show up and, you know, Go out with some people in the field for the day, and uh, you know, or, or just talk to them at the uh, at the hotel at the end of the day over mm-hmm. some beers in the parking lot, tailgating out at the end of the day. You know, whatever you guys are doing, and just uh, just talk to people. You know, talk to people about cool things that are going on. If your project is under wraps from a security standpoint or from a conversational standpoint, because a lot of them are. I totally uh, understand that. That doesn't mean we can't talk about archaeology in general, right? Like the CRM archaeology and what you're doing. We don't need to talk specifics of the project. We don't even need to say what town we're in. We don't need to say anything. But it's fun just talking to people that are in the moment, in the field, and, and they have that that real yeah. you know perspective right there. Although first I feel like you have to cycle some of these um, some of the older archaeologists who definitely are like, very paranoid and want everything locked down. Like you can't even say what you're doing in town. Like you can't even yeah. tell people you're an archaeologist if you're there. Well, you know, thinking like that is why our field is in the position it's in. I know. You know, nobody knows what we do or why we do it. And for that reason, we have no champions. Oh, you know, it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> a buddy of mine, she had to get her car repaired. <laughs> and so she um, brought her car to a, um, lo- a local place mm-hmm. to um, get it repaired. And they were disappointed because, you know, they thought that the CRM company that we both worked for was like um, a secret government agency <laughs> because they're so secretive. I thought, wow. <laughs> I wish we worked for secret government agencies. We'd make a lot more money. I know. Oh, you know, you know what's interesting? I mean, this will probably be out of date by the time this goes on air, but was it shovel bumps? Like the, um, you can be like a, you can be a PI in Saudi Arabia if you want, if you read, if you read your shovel bumps um, wow. emails. I missed that one. Yeah. And uh, they're also yeah. looking for a project manager. That must be through the government, right? Defense Department or something? Yeah. Well, no. It's yeah. like, I think it's for the Saudi government. Oh, for their government? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, which I thought was super cool. Although, I don't know. You'd, I assume you'd have to be, you know, capable. Have some knowledge of the archaeology over there, too? Well, that, too. But also, like, you know, like, interested in living over there for a long period of time. Right, right. You know? Yeah. It's just like oh, here. Be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, not everyone wants to live in like Tonopah and be a BLM archaeologist there, like live there for like 20 years. I mean, we know a couple of people that live in Tonopah. They don't even work for the BLM. You True. know what I'm talking about? Maybe. Yeah. I see them at the NAs all the time. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's next week, isn't it? I think so. I'm not going to be there. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, that's the problem with them having it like right outside of Vegas, but not close enough to Vegas to make it worthwhile <laughs> to go. Yeah. Especially yeah. that town. Yeah, if you want to go to the Nevada Archaeological Association conference and you're watching this live, because by the time I release this, it'll be after the conference. <laughs> or I'll probably release this next Saturday and it'll be during the conference. So, yeah. um, But if you're live with us right now and you want to go, it's in Pahrump, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, which I've yeah. never actually been to Pahrump. You know Neither that? have I. Yeah. Because can you, can you even drive through Pahrump? Or do you have to, is it like a destination? I feel like Pahrump's at the end of a dead end road near Death Valley. Like is that's, it? that's always in my head, like what Pahrump is. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, that's probably wrong. I'm sure you can drive through it, but I don't you know where know. you're going. So. Oh, you know what's interesting? Yeah. I mean, I'm not so. Are you going to be just be recording doing podcasting at the SCAs, or are you going to going to be um, are you going to be doing some video recording? Uh, I'm hoping to do a little bit of both. Especially, oh. it depends if the Wi-Fi is good. We might be doing some more Facebook Live stuff um, with the GoPro as well. Oh, because um, I have totally been saving up my um, data, so I should at least have like we should be able to at least do a 15, 20 minute show. I don't know how much gigs like this app like sends out or uses. 
Well, like I said, this is a small conference, so there's all the possibility that they will have Wi-Fi. Um, that's not half bad. And True. we can actually transmit with it. Yeah. So I'm also going to be recording a video going down there too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be like trying to see what advice people have. Nice. Like, rem Oh my God. Like, um, God, you and I both know this guy. I think, you know, I think he's one of the moderators for, um, was it Archeo Field Techs? Yeah. He used to go around for like random reasons asking people, God, what, what he used to ask at the SCA. He used to ask, um, like, what's your like, what's your field setup or what's your favorite piece of field gear or something mm -hmm. like that. I don't even know why he would ask people that. He would just ask people that. But I want to do something similar except um, on video. Nice. I said I'm going to be asking them um, for um, conference advice. There you go. Like, don't be that guy at the bar who's like swaying and like, you know, hanging on the people while trying to like hand out your resume and say what an awesome report writer you are. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause that does not make the best impression. More importantly, it's not why you're at the bar. You're not at the bar to like, you know, solicit people's like resumes or like try to get them job leads. Like that yeah. just like that's, um, that's not the way you network. No, it's interesting you're bringing that up because I was talking about this the other day with somebody. Um, it's, People get networking wrong all the time. Oh, all the I mean, time. I'm in, I'm in networking things here in Reno that aren't archaeology related, and they're still they're still doing it the wrong way. Like I'm, are they? I go to this one thing every week. Um, it's called Brewing Up Business Reno. We're at a different oh. a different pub, and you do get a, a handful of people in there that are just very forward with their, you know, this is what I do, and and this is this is how I can help you, right? Yeah. There is a time and a place for that during that hour. You know, at the very beginning when you introduce yourself, it's really just ten seconds of, you know, hi, I'm Chris Webster, and this is what I do. You know, you're not like, you know, handing out business cards. But at the end, yeah. you know, when after the discussion's over, yeah, sure. If somebody says, hey, can I get your card? I want to talk to you about some stuff later on. Yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah. This is not the venue for making a deal, though. No. This is the venue for making contacts and, and more importantly than that, making friendships. Yeah. Friendships are what breed real networking, you yes. know, and, and that's what... Mm. Man, this is such a hot topic because we talked about this for like 40 minutes on the Sierra Mark podcast just an hour ago. Well, the thing is, it's like I had a buddy, you know, and like I um, had submitted a resume to a company that's on the other side of the mountain. Yeah. And they were like, you know, we got a hopefully, you know, we've got like a long term monitoring gig if you want it right now. And we've also got a lot of stuff coming over the next the field season. I'm like, um, I will skip the monitoring since I just did that for the past year. But then I passed on the lead to like someone else at a random, you know, at random. Yeah. You know, a friend because, you know, she like, you know, is it? You know, she like that's like up her wheelhouse. That's like up sure. her alley. That's something that she can do. And, you know, hopefully they gave her the job, but you never know. But the thing is, she wasn't always pestering me about like job leads or trying to give me her resume or anything <laughs> or give me her card. You know, it's just like because, yeah. you know, she's a buddy. Yeah. You know, absolutely. <clears throat> By the way, so. before, um, you know, we'll, we'll get back to that topic in a sec. But someone said actually came up with a good idea. Automated automated screening drone with built in strata for 30 second of an inch screens. Or basically a screening drone. I mean, they have auto screening machines right now. I know, like yeah. grizzlies. Yeah, but nothing you can like bring out in the field with you. I know, yet. Yeah, because if you're talking about a screening drone, you also need a shoveling drone. Well, I guess that's true too. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be hard to do. Oh. I think. Alternatively, that does make me think of the little power wheel sized um, little excavators that you see sometimes kids playing yeah. with. <laughs> it, it makes me think of a larger issue, though, because I keep saying, uh, I, and, I, and I also can't remember a podcast where I didn't mention the word drone like in the past <laughs> year. But anyway, yeah. uh, I've always said that drone survey, and when I say drone survey, like initial drone survey for pedestrian yeah. survey, not like shovel testing survey, but initial drone survey. It's not that hard. There's people doing it, right? Yeah. We interviewed somebody on the archaeology, um, sorry, the Archaeotech podcast, who they basically um, create 
3D uh, photogrammetric models from drone survey. I think it's over somewhere in Italy or something like that. Oh, I was listening to that one. Yeah. Most of it. Yeah. And then they created an algorithm basically to, to have the computer system identify pottery because that's the biggest, that's the thing that they find out there. Yeah. And, and they were able to run that algorithm, this machine learning algorithm, over the um, over the overlay and then find stuff, right? Yeah. That's basically drone survey. The drone's uh. not looking like live. I mean, you're, yeah. you're taking the images, you're doing something with them, and then you're looking to see what you can find yeah. without going in the field. And sometimes it's just a safety thing, right? Uh. But I'm always like, right tool for the right job. And I've never really thought about taking a drone to the next level. Because my thought, like this project we're going to do in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You could easily survey that entire area in two days with a drone. Yeah. Right? But we're going to take 10 days to do it. But you could easily do it in two or three days with a drone. And then I'd spend another day or two um, with a, a larger group of people, maybe even like 40 people, like crowdsourcing it online and saying, hey, look over these. Here's what you're looking for. Identify the places where there could be archaeological sites. Uh. And then we go out to the coordinates for the previously recorded sites. And we go out to the coordinates for the things people thought were sites um, that you could tell from the drone survey. And I've always thought that that's where the human element comes in, and I've never really thought about because we don't want to think about automating that part right now. We're we're only thinking ahead to you know we're going to get the initial survey done because it can be done quicker, more efficiently, and safer yeah. by mm -hmm. um, machine. But then bring in the archaeologist when you go to the excavation phase. But now I'm thinking, well, what would be the advantage? Let's think fifty, a hundred years into the future. What would be the advantage of um, yeah? Basically having machines do the excavation phase as well, or at least better, more likely better subsurface imaging. Ooh. So you don't have to excavate at all, because yeah. obviously we'd like to be non-destructive. Of course. Um, unless we're unless we're pulling stuff out for a reason. Yeah. But um, yeah, so what would be the advantage to having machines there? And I think the only reason we would end up going that route is thinking way into the future when people basically have fewer jobs. Like mm. there's fewer people that actually work, yeah. and there are few, therefore fewer people that are actually gaining those skill sets and we might be going back to archaeologists that basically have a theoretical knowledge and not a field knowledge <laughs> and they're just they're just analyzing the data from the from the mechanical excavations oh my god you know or science fiction but whatever i was also thinking my god one of the reasons why i was thinking about the nevada caucus is because um is because in iowa there was like a special app they developed Yes. Yeah. That famously like, failed. Yes, and they were going to use the same app here in Nevada. Yeah. But they didn't. Instead, they used an off-the-shelf Google app. Like, and Google did not make any concessions or special changes for them. They just had like some people in Vegas to like um, answer questions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it made me think that you were talking about with like um, companies these days obsessing over like developing their own. Um, their own like form taking apps for the yeah. field, There's, you know, and it's just like, do you think there's gonna be a moment where like a majority of these companies just realize that this that like that you know basically have their Iowa moment and like come to like something standardized? I don't know, man. Uh, I'd like to think so. You know, I mean, in a good way. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to think that standardization in this field, as far as you know, form. Here's the problem: we don't even have standardized forms yet. Oh, I know. You know, like the, the closest we that I've ever seen to standardized forms is the the BLM IMAX forms. Yeah. Right. Um, and and that's here in Nevada, and it used to be um, it used to be even more standardized. The weird thing is we've gotten less standardized because it used to be the Inner Mountain Antiquities Computer System. That's what IMAX stands for. Yeah. And it went from I think all the way I think Wyoming used it. Yeah. I think um, Montana, Idaho. Idaho, uh, Colorado, yeah, um, and then of course um, Utah and Nevada, yeah. But I don't know when this happened, but at some point 
they all diverged. And oh, I don't know what they? the other states are doing, but I know Utah's got their own. Uh, they put out a new one a couple of years ago. They did? Nevada put out a new one in 2012. Oh, I thought we just used the um, standard short form. Yeah, but but that's my point. They oh. changed from the long form with the part A, B, C, and D yeah. to just a short form. That's different than the IMAX form. Ah. You know, the short form is not the IMAX form. I mean, they're calling it that, but it's not really. Oh. So... You know, I mean, the IMAX, the real IMAX form was the long form, part A, part B, part C, part D. Yeah. And the short form was intended for uh, smaller sites where you just need to record some quick information. But then oh. when they went to the short form, they diverged from the whole IMAX system because the short form is not. You put all the information on the short form. Yeah. But the thing I didn't like about it, where digital archaeology comes in and helps, is the short form requires you. To, to actually know some things about site recording, but let's be honest, a lot of people out there don't probably have a lot of site recording experience. I mean, that's just a fact of CRM archaeology. There's a high turnover. True. So when you're not prompted for all the different pieces of information, you're expected to just know it and write it down in a paragraph. Uh. That becomes a lot more difficult, and that's why when I I've, I've written up forms for myself and for WildNote, yeah, uh, for say um, Nevada IMAX forms. I mean, there's other prompts in there. But it still yeah. produces the short form, yeah. You know, but there's other prompts in there so that, um, so that you're not, uh, so that you're not missing something. I've always said that I don't care what state you're working. If you have a site form, yeah, it's not a site form. It's a checklist. It's oh. a checklist to make sure you don't miss something. Yeah, that's all a site form is. Oh. The, the California DPR forms, as annoyingly long as they are, they're probably some of the most detailed archaeological checklists that I've ever seen. They definitely are. You know, I mean, and that's really all it is. In the yeah. field, when you get back in the office, you can do your analysis, move things around. But in the field, it's a checklist so you don't miss stuff. Yeah. That's how I think you have to see it. Although, reading over a lot of California site forms like last year, it's like, wow, a lot of people don't even bother filling out most of it. Yeah. And more importantly, I think the craziest thing is where I would come across a site form. I would be for like what in this state would just be an isolate. Yeah. It's like, wow, you've like you gave a site number to like one arrowhead <laughs> or well, one projectile in lot, point. In a lot of areas, like uh, the primary form, which is the first one, yeah. um, the, it's used for isolates. Which is crazy to me. It's because they don't have another way to record isolates in a lot of the information center regions. Um, they don't have a special like isolate category. I kind of actually agree with it. Really? Like if you're just going to put down minimal information, if you turn in that primary form, it's a it's a piece of paper that says this thing is here. They assign a number to it, yeah, and it can go in a database. You know, if they had a, what surprises me is they have like 13 forms. Why isn't one of them an isolate form? Oh, see, like, like that's why they just use the primary. Yeah, record. like they even have like a linear feature form. <laughs> yeah. They have rock art forms. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Because I, I know in this state, like you just like fill out a, um, a spreadsheet, right? The, there's no there's no standard. Oh, there's you not. Just, you just turn them in. Oh, yeah. You, like you said, it's usually on a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have an isolate form in WildNote for Nevada um, that people can use, but it, it's all the basic information about an isolate. So. Really, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, but but there's no there's no standard for turning in isolates. I mean, obviously, you need coordinates, a description, a photograph if necessary. You know, if it's a rare or yeah. or some some sort of sort of feature or artifact. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, and that's the other thing is isolated features. Yeah, you can have isolated features in Nevada. When in a oh. lot of places, a feature is inherently a site. Oh, that's true. Because you, know? you know, like, I mean, how many prospect pits are there in the state? I know people still get it wrong though, because if there's a prospect pit with like a can or a piece of glass, oh, that's a site. That's a site. Yeah. Yeah, but people are like, well, it's associated with a prospect pit. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, that's a site. Yeah, I mean, it's two things. <laughs> yeah, and if you get, you know, what happens if you get ten thousand of those in a small area? Now you've got a district. Oh, that's true. Yes. Now they are all features. 
Oh God, I forgot. Yeah. Where was it? Where is it? Um, God, was it Battle Mountain where we were recording that um on that big project out there? Well, there was one big one out there, the Copper Queen, I think it was called. Yeah, and yeah. like you know, we were just like walking along, like the four of us, like you know, the whole you know the crew oh, was we had on hundreds of features. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah, and that's also where you found like the um, ice cream truck. Yeah, I just saw that in my Instagram feed, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah, I took a picture of it a long time ago. <laughs> I was looking for it to show somebody because we were talking about it. Yeah, it was an ice cream truck. It was the freezer box portion of an ice cream truck that was sitting on the top of a hill away from the mine. Yeah. Like sufficiently away from the mine with dirt built up around it. Um, and I think they used it. The, the ice cream truck has a lot of natural insulation because yeah. it's a freezer truck. Yeah. And from what I was told, uh, I don't think we knew this going up there. Maybe somebody said it, somebody smarter than you or me when they saw yeah. it, um, said they used it to store their explosives. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because they use a lot of explosives on a mine. That would be a natural yeah. place to store them. Oh, I was thinking because, you know, I still have van life in my mind. And, you know, I've seen like um, I've seen like YouTube videos where people are doing what's like stealth van life. Yeah. Where like they rent like a U-Haul, like oh a U-Haul God. van and just like convert it into like, you know. A it's like a living room inside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for like a week or whatever. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would want to live in the back of a U-Haul truck. Talk about no insulation. You know, well, I mean, yeah. it depends if you like you bought it and own it. Well, yeah, but if you rent it for the week and you try to do that, it's not going to be very good. True. But you can, I imagine you could make a U-Haul truck look pretty nice in the back if you remodeled the whole thing. Yeah. But you're not going to do that with a rental. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have yeah. for the uh, archaeology show recording and for you call this archaeology. So, yeah. um, again, mm. facebook.com forward slash arcpodnet, A-R-C-H-P-O-D-N-E-T, if you want to join us live. Um, we're also, this recording will be on the archaeology show. I keep pointing to the mixer because this is where the recording is happening. Um, and also I think we're going to keep doing this, uh, in this simple way a lot more. I don't yeah. think the audio is quite as good for the live audience, but they yeah. can still hear us. Yeah. If, if you couldn't, they would say something. Yeah. I um, mean, it sounded fine when I was watching on TV earlier. Yeah. So there you go. And, uh, and if you want to watch this on Richie's side, because we're not doing this on the APN YouTube, we do have one kind of. Oh, you do? But, yeah. But we never use it. Oh, all right. Um, but Richie has a YouTube channel. Yeah. Happy archaeology fun time. So check that out. He's got a lot of, actually a lot of really cool stuff on there, yeah. uh, posting a lot more videos, a lot of helper stuff for people new in the field. Yeah, and a lot more stuff upcoming. There you go. At least twice a month. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Cool. Join us live next time if you didn't this time. And for those that did join us live this time, thanks a lot. And what really helps is if you see us live, share it. Oh, that too. Share it somewhere. I try to share it to all the groups, but at some point I'm going to get banned for sharing too much. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I need you to share it for me. Yeah. <laughs> all all right. right. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. See you. Thanks for listening to the Archaeology Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can provide feedback using the contact button on the right side of the website at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash archaeology. Or you can email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Please like and share the show wherever you saw it so more people can have a chance to listen and learn. Send us show suggestions and follow ArcPodNet on Twitter and Instagram. This show was produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network. Opinions are solely those of the hosts and guests of the show. However, the APN stands by their hosts. Special thanks to the band Sea Hero for letting us use their song, I Wish You'd Look. Check out their albums on Bandcamp at seahero.bandcamp.com. Check out our next episode in two weeks, and in the meantime, keep learning keep discovering new things, and keep listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Have an awesome day. This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. 
in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.